0: So welcome to the Fuck Therapy Podcast. So super excited to have with me Sabrina, an absolute superstar. Good morning, my time. Good evening, your time. How are you, Sabrina? I am
1: fabulous. I'm fabulous.
0: (laughs) Now... For the record, this is probably attempt three in recording the podcast. But what's been happening is Sabrina and I end up talking and talking and talking and talking. And by the way, if anyone wants to know, we have solved the problems of the world, so you're all safe. So before we Hi. start, so people know who they're talking to, introduce us to you.
1: Well, my name is Sabrina. I am from the United States, a state called Ohio. And um, I'm a more spiritual person. And I am, was looking. Obviously, to move forward in my life, and the universe blessed me with you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is incredible. That is incredible. So I hire. Whereabouts in Ohio? Not specific. Um, Lake Erie. Yep. So you're on land there.
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Beautiful. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, that's incredible. So tell us more about you. We need to know more about you.
1: I I like to think that. I am compassionate and kind and connected to source hopefully. I I don't want to say I want to help people because then you're going to turn around and you're going to say, "Well, that's not about you, it's not what you could do for others, it's what you, you know."
0: <laughs> but you do. At the end of the day, you know your purpose. You know yes. there's a difference between identity and purpose and your purpose, your gift is to heal and help others.
1: Yeah, I am light. I want to bring light to the world and get this world to raise its vibration so that we could start fixing it because it's very dense right now.
0: It is very dense on it. And where does that come from? Just Not the density, waiting. but your desire, your passion, my your purpose. Past,
1: my trauma, my past, things that I've been through that I know many other people have been through. And if I have lived it and got through it, which I have, if I can help one to ten to, you know, how many thousands of people, then hell. Why wouldn't I do that? Why wouldn't I try to leave my mark so that when I leave this earth, I'm fucking done. So I don't have to come back here no more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to be here again.
0: <laughs> That's incredible. Um so um where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in a different state, Pennsylvania. Um I grew up around mountains and you know, quad riding and bush parties and you know, just uh, I was did tap, jazz, ballet, gymnastics, karate. You know, I always loved to be on stage when I was younger. So that's, that was the gist of my younger years, I guess. Yeah. Like,
0: me. Childhood.
1: yeah, I was, I had shelter. I was protected. I was, you know, so yes, I wouldn't say compared to now I know, you know, half of it kind of sucked, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, When you realize, oh, that's why I feel the way I do now because of that, you know, then you're like, all right, well, now it has a different meaning. So, yeah, but it was, I, you know, I had parents that did love me and, you know, tried to do the best that they could with the tools they had Yeah. to put it nicely, which I really don't want to say that about some, but I'm going to (laughs) anyway.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say at the moment, I think from the story that I've heard you are, you're definitely being nice.
1: Right, I thank you.
0: You're yes. welcome. <laughs> You're welcome.
1: Trying, trying.
0: And, um, you know, where do you, where, whereabouts do you go to school? Same state?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We yeah. just went throughout high school. I was, you know, it's kind of what we would call a wallflower. Yeah. You know, I was always like in the back, and then you know, I did like the cheerleading thing, and you know, but. It was all just to try to fit in. You know, I just, I never liked high school. I wouldn't go back. You know, I never liked schooling to begin with. Um, yeah. um, I, I learned easier through interaction and doing something or having a problem and fixing it. Yeah. But no, childhood was, or school wasn't bad. It, it wasn't, but I wouldn't do it again. You know?
0: <laughs> no, I'm dyslexic. So school was, was, was definitely not a friend mm. of mine. Yeah. I was reminded on a daily basis that I, <laughs> I'm not going to amount to too much. <laughs> yep. yeah
1: that's I think that's and that's unfortunate because I think we hold so much of what our peers think of us during like I mean I wasn't the popular one. I was what we called like a techer, you know I would I like the business more side of things yeah. and you know we were like the shunned ones like, oh, there's a techer, you know, that's but nice. it was always I was never in the in crowd ever.
0: Ever. <laughs> well, isn't it funny? I I wouldn't say uh, whether I was in the in crowd or not, I'm not 100% sure. I kind of was sat on the fringe, I think, because um, I always blazed my own trail. Um, oh, yeah. So I didn't. There, there was the in crowd, but I'd walk away from it. Mm-hmm. So that no. to be part of it, but I'd walk away from it because I didn't resonate. But I was one of the athletes, so that was my mathematics in school, and athletics was my thing.
1: Oh, wow. I see. Yeah. Uh, and usually anybody who plays football. And, I mean, with your drive that I see now, I can't imagine, you know, you in high school. So <laughs> <laughs> if, if you're saying, like, you followed your intuition and your gut then, I mean, kudos to you. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, listen, I've got a bit of a crazy story. Um, but I started my first business in primary school. So wow. in grade four, I would be up 10 to six every day. I would go to a neighbor's property. I lived out in the country. no street lights, dirt roads, all those sorts of things. They had whippets. I'd grab two of their dogs. I earned a dollar a day and I'd take their dogs for a um, four mile run every single morning um you know I would get home. I'd get back to their place. Their mum would make me breakfast. I'd come back to my place. I'd have breakfast. I'd get on my bike. I'd ride, you know, another four mile to school. I'd get to school an hour early, get on the roof, grab the balls off the roof and all that. I used to ride around the school, dick around and wait for school to start. Right? <laughs>
1: my God, you're lucky you got my ass up out of bed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so I was always on the go, never stopped. But I started walking as a child at seven months old. Oh wow! And like my mum said, no, you didn't walk. You literally got up one day and started running. Um,
1: that should have been a, pe- a precursor
0: of. Yeah, I was pain in the ass, kid. So, um, in addition to that, um, you know, you, you sit your kid in front of the television. Oh. Nah, not mm-hmm. interested. Could never television would never get my interest. Mum oh. would set me down, go to the kitchen to get something, come back, and I'd be gone. <laughs> yeah. We had a fucking little predator. <laughs> yeah. no
1: more iPad, you know, at the kitchen table.
0: Oh, well, I'm a seven I was born in seventy-two.
1: Okay. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's way back like like I'm that much younger. Sorry.
0: Uh so anyway, back to you. So you you know, you had <laughs> relatively you know, you navigated your way through through those years, you know, got into relationships. Tell us we just want to know more about your world. Like we know you worked in HR, you've had relationships. Speak to us. Give us give us some some stuff. Okay, for those um, listening now, I'm just going to put a trigger warning in place for this story. Some of the content that we're going to go through is going to cover detail in narcissism, uh, but we're also going to get into domestic violence and physical abuse. So if that is going to trigger you, if you are grappling with these situations and think that now is not the best time to listen to this, then please potentially pause this, maybe get a friend and listen to it together so you've got support. But I do just want to put that trigger warning out there. For everyone else, let's go.
1: Well, I think if we're going to talk about like the biggest change in my life or the biggest shift in my life was, you know, the I had an issue in uh, 2020. So right after, I'd say during COVID hit, I, I was. I still don't know how to say it. To be honest, I it, I like to say I was a part in attempted murder suicide. You know, I was with a narcissist, obviously, and. I had to, that has been my drive from that point until where we are right now. That has been my trigger to be a better person, understand who I am, understand why I do the things I do, why I, you know, hurt sometimes. Why do I get happy? What are my expectations? And yeah, it, one of the things, I mean, when, in our discussions that you've taught me is to make sure that I find, you know, the good in a traumatic situation. And you're absolutely right, because I had to forgive him and I had to forgive myself for putting my son through things like that and having him have to deal with something he should never have to deal with ever. Yeah. And that was hard for me to accept. And, you know, when nobody's there to help pick up the pieces, yeah. you know, you just you move forward. It was it was death or get my ass and get fucking better, get better, do better. This is not who I am. This is not who I want to be, you know, show the world what you got. And no matter what, I mean, I've left everything and I have to do this. I I have to fulfill what is driving me and what's in my heart. It's, it's mandatory. I have to.
0: Yeah. Well, when you've experienced, you know, an end of life or a potential end of life situation, you know, um, we can look at that and see all the negatives, and you say, you know, you know, with my warped brain, I'm always going to turn around and say, okay, if you were to apply gratitude to that, what do you find? You know, and you go, you know, I can potentially be in in such a horrific situation. You know, people say, you know, I've hit rock bottom, right? Mm, exactly. And you go, how awesome is rock bottom? And people go, Jamie, you're a fucking <laughs> whack job, like serious, and it's like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it means that you've you've stopped falling,
1: and yeah, there's nothing else to lose.
0: Correct, and start driving again. You know, yes. our plan isn't to get to rock bottom. That's not the good part. Right. You know, that's not what I'm saying to be grateful. I'm not saying awesome that we that we we ended up here. But what I'm saying is, rock bottom. Well, rock refers to solid.
1: Yes, you create a base that's solid. Now you could start on Let's a go. solid foundation rather than with fucking cracks everywhere.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And you start yes. looking at it and you're going, okay, so strong foundation, how do we navigate that? What does it mean? How, like you're in in search at that point, right? Mm-hmm. And going, I'm in search of purpose. I'm in search of meaning. I'm in search of something greater than the situation that I'm in now. And I'm not going to tolerate and accept that this is it. So it comes down to choice. 100%. Right. We have a look at choice there. And you go, I have a choice of this, but you're going, but I've got a child. So choice is now something that you go, no, yeah, you're right. There is choice, and it's up. Right. Uh-huh. And and it's forward. And that's fucking terrifying when you've come out of a horrific narcissistic type relationship. Uh-huh. So narcissism is going to break you down to the point where you go, I don't even fucking know who I am anymore.
1: Uh-huh. Right? <laughs> Yeah. Especially if the narcissist has narcissistic family members. Oh, and oh. Then when something bad happens to the narcissist, then you're, you're dealing with the aftermath of you kill them. And it's, you know, I mean, we're talking public Facebook messages about me and what I did to him. Like, yeah. Oh, and that was the public humiliation. Like, I mean, these, it blew my mind and you're right. I had a choice for me. My choices were death or I'm going to do better. And I, I had to, like, I couldn't bring myself to that. I almost did, but you think of your son. Like I thought of my son, I thought of that wouldn't be me. And like I said, if I do that, then I I have to come here again, and I don't want to come on this. I don't want to be on this earth again. <laughs> <laughs> so I gotta finish. It's like you gotta finish school. Uh, we talked about that the other day, going through the levels, yeah. and it is. It's like a school, and you gotta graduate. And graduation is off this damn planet.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so how many years were you in that relationship?
1: About I've I knew him since childhood, since about I was seventeen but an actual relationship about almost two years.
0: Right, yeah. And so, at what age were you in that relationship?
1: Uh, 39, 40.
0: Yeah. yeah. Like,
1: yeah, 39, 40. Yeah, so that would have been one
0: whirlwind ahead. horrific relationship.
1: I I still, now I see, like, at first you try to, because you're getting accused of stuff, so you think, what could I have done differently? What did I do wrong? What you know, and I had to look at it from I would leave my job. Okay. And if I didn't get to his house at a certain time, like or like give or take five minutes, if I was 10 minutes late, well, where the fuck were you? Well, what do you mean? Why'd you stop that gas there? Why couldn't you just swing by home and I would have went with you? That type of stuff. And then when I would want to escape the situation because I can feel if it's getting bad, he wouldn't let me leave. And that's when everything would blow up, I'd be like, "Just let me go home. I'll talk to you a little bit later when you're calmed down." And that that would never happen ever. And then that's you know you get cracked or you're you're grabbed, you're pinned, you're you know, and then you know that's the next day they're sorry and all. And I'm a person. I want to help people. I've always wanted to be you know helpful. Yeah. So it's like, well, a captain doesn't leave a ship. I can't leave my shipmate. I gotta. I can. I can help them. I'm gonna lift them back up. And you see all these things that people say, well, if you got hit, why would you go back? Why would you go? It's you're not thinking you're thinking like, well, he did it once, but I could fix him. I could, I could, I could change his mind. I could fix him, and it won't happen again. then it happens again. And the next time it's worse. And for me, it was about the fourth, the fourth time was the last and it was the worst. So, and I'll be honest, I don't know. It would have our, if I would have ended that relationship on my own, like, cause we were still together technically, but if I, I, I know if I would have ceased that relationship, the outcome would have been me or him, me or him dead or both of us. Like there was no way that man was going to let me flourish in life, not a chance in hell. Yeah. But my self-worth was shit. It's I'm still working on my self-worth. Yeah. Like I'm still trying to, okay, you said something to me the other day that choked me up and you said you deserve it. Yeah. and. You know, I've heard I haven't heard that, you know, somebody telling me, hey, Sabrina, you deserve it. You know, like, well, yeah, I made all these stupid choices. Why do I deserve it? It put me you know, in a situation where I have to start all over. That's a blessing because I gave up the corporate world. I gave up the half assed fucking friends that didn't mean shit that just used me for stupid shit. And I started to say, you know what? I want to travel. I want to do this. I'm going to do it. And nobody's going to stop me. Nobody. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love it that you see that's living that's what life is about we 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 get raised into this level of expectation that we have to do x y and z yes right and you look at it and you go okay what's your reference point for guiding me in this direction and you're going you look at their reference point and you're going well it didn't work for fucking you why why am i doing that right yep so on and so forth it becomes generational there's a story Um, that I heard probably on TikTok um, (laughs) where this mum is cooking a roast lamb and at the end of the roast lamb they've got that little knob thing that that, that's on it right the little leg sort of thing yeah Uh, and anyway the mum cuts it off does something with it puts it beside the lamb and and the daughter said to the mum why do you cut that off and her mum went I really don't know I'd have to my mum did it." She taught me how to do it, so I do it. So, anyway, she said, let's ring Nan. So, she rings up Nan and she goes, you know, mum, you know, know, Stacey, whatever the daughter's name was, just ask me, Dino, why do we chop that little bit off the lamb, you know, before we put it in the oven? And her mum said, I really don't know. She said, my mum taught me that. So, she rings her, the great-grandmother. Yeah. Uh And she said, you know, I'm sitting here with this, tells the story and said, why do we chop That that bit of the leg off. She goes, Oh, because in our day our ovens were a lot smaller and it didn't fit.
1: (laughs) So they did it. Jesus. So yeah, they did it out of necessity.
0: Like at that time. Right. So you have a look at it. And but this is what. So what degree do you have to have to be a parent? Nothing. Fucking nothing. That's scary. Right. There's one thing that you've got to do and you can do it really badly and you can end up
1: pregnant. Yeah
0: right so you look at that and you go what well, that's the qualification you go yeah that that that's it now would you send your kid to kinder if your kinder teacher hadn't got a university degree to teach finger painting would you, you send would your actually- kid to primary school if they didn't have a university degree coaching mentoring support right supervision to teach your kid in prep how to add 1 plus 1 oh yeah but A parent, I'm going to teach you how to do life.
1: Isn't that insane? Isn't Isn't that
0: insane? So, if we look back and grab a reference point, you go, At what point did shit start getting ugly? Because Mm -hmm. there's tribal places where generation to generation to generation, wisdom, knowledge, lessons, and experience is passed down. And you go, What is the key difference? You go, Back in In tribal days, you look at the, you know, the American Indians and you go, you know, the men would go off hunting. The women would do fucking everything else. Who looked after the children? The elders.
1: You're right. You're right. See, there's another thing I never thought about. You're right.
0: And the elders would pass down the lessons, wisdom, knowledge, and experience because they've got time to sit. They've got time to reflect. They've got time to ponder. They've got time to share and have patience with these kids, right? The young Indian male hunter, high testosterone, dumbass dude that's going to run towards that bear, he's not the one teaching the kid because he's full of ego. He's full of all these things. He's inexperienced himself. He just happens to think he knows everything, but then he gets knocked down by the, the older Indian. You know, and mm-hmm. he gets covered in scars because he does dumb shit, thinking he's being a hero. Where ego gets in the way, and a bear gets him, or the wolf gets him, or the bush gets him, or the environment gets him. Yep. Well, all that's now gone. We live in a society where what? <laughs> you know, oh, you got a splinter, your poor sausage. Come here, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You got second? I mean, no, that's we, there's no such thing as second anymore.
1: Nope, we're gonna give you a trophy anyway.
0: <laughs> Participation trophy. Well done. Yes.
1: There-
0: you go, we're taking away. You go, how are lessons learned? Like we just spoke about it. You're in a narcissistic, you know, toxic, abusive, manipulative relationship where your life literally was in jeopardy, and the conclusion of that relationship was an attempt on your life.
1: Yeah.
0: So you're going literally, not like, oh my gosh, it was a little bit. No, we're talking about.
1: Two helicopters, an armored car, lock down the school. Yes. Yeah. All right.
0: yes, yes. We are blessed to have you in our presence.
1: That's tough for me to even hear at this point.
0: Yeah. You
1: know what I mean? Like just hearing you say that, it'll choke me up because it's, you mean it when you say something like that. Well, you know what I mean? Absolute like, truth. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's when a person isn't, when I wasn't taught to believe those type of values about myself. Oh, and that suck. It when you hear it, it's it kind of, you know, it'll it gives you a little hit, you know, and makes you think. And it's it's people like you and I'll I'll keep saying it. It's people like you that don't judge and are here to help people like me so I can help all the others, you know?
0: And you help me. This is the reality. You look at our lives at the moment, and we spoke about it. You've got the past, you've got the present, you've got the future, right? The past no longer exists. The future hasn't happened, nor is it guaranteed. So what's well, what are we left with? The present. Right now, we have all these stories in our life. We've experienced all these journeys. We have all these people, good, bad, and indifferent. But at the moment, the only thing that is happening is you and I are traveling together this period of time. Yes. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's all that's happening. That's all that is.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're and right. here I am
0: sharing. You know, this incredible moment, this incredible story with an incredible human being. And it's a blessing to me. You see, the universe is saying, I need this discussion. I need to have this discussion. And you are going to grow me. It's not a one-way street here. And where did I find I listened to your TikTok? I listen to you sharing your advice, your wisdoms, your knowledge, your experience, your journey. You know, and the world is blessed to have you. And you're just starting to see your value.
1: Slowly. Yes.
0: Right. And And it is slowly and it's a beautiful journey.
1: And people say, well, you know, what do you do? You know? And right now it's, my thing is right now I am hopeful. I'm a TikTok influencer to help people realize they're not alone. And, you know, and it doesn't matter if I get one view or 20,000, you know, to me, when you get those responses, people will email me like I'll be having a shit fucking day because I have I get in depressed states. I start thinking shit about myself and I'll open up my email and there'll be, you know, five, 10 emails in there just saying, hey, I, I've been following you on TikTok. I, I think thank you so much. You make me feel like you're just that is enough to be like. That's my purpose. This is what I need to do. Like, I am here to do something, and I've lived all of this, like, and I don't carry it anymore, but I could be like an elder and teach what I know from experience.
0: Yeah. And that's the kicker. That's the kicker. It's from experience, you know, and experience is the journey that you've traveled. You know, and when we started exploring through the age groups, you know, the journey that you've traveled and, and all of a sudden there's a level of awareness to these sorts of things. We can sit in that awareness of trauma from the past and we can sit in that and just see trauma. Yeah. And by seeing trauma, it serves no purpose. See, the purpose is in the, tra- it's the lessons, the wisdom, the knowledge, and the experience that resides from that and once we yes. gain that, it then it had purpose.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. You know, and because people will say, they'll say, "Well, how do you know how? What makes you so like so, you?" Some of the comments, you know, you get those asshole comments, yep. and they'll say, "Yeah, what do you know?" Or like, "What you know? How do you? Who are you to speak on something like this?" Yep. And. The ego in me wants to say, "Well, fuck you," because I goddamn lived through it. I lived through it multiple. Like, fuck you. Like, what did you do? Oh, you wrote about it in an essay. Fuck you.
0: <laughs> you, you, you. Oh, you read a book,
1: right? Oh, well, I. Re- I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I hate because that fires me up when I get those type of you know because it's like what. I am telling you that I pulled myself, like literally, out of the depths of hell. Like I had, I wanted to die. There was no. I was at that point, you know. Because after something like that happens, you think, why didn't he just take me with him? Why? Why didn't I just let him kill me? You know? Why did he have to? You know? Like why him and not me? You You go through all of these reasons and ra- try to rationalize, but when you have the influence of everybody else saying, "Well, maybe if you would have just tried to talk to him," And I'm thinking, like, do you not see my face? Do, do, I don't I, I think I, there is no talking to someone who doesn't care about you as a person. They yeah. just want control.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are you comfortable to dig into that a little bit more?
1: Oh God, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the only way people are going to be able to know that it's okay. You know, like, yeah. you'll get through
0: yeah. it. So tell us. Give us some more um, detail about what you experienced there. So people actually, we've got a really generic outside story of it, but so they can say, whoa, because people, and and the purpose of this podcast is so people realise they're not alone. Because people that are going through this, it's happening to me. And you're going, my beautiful friend, there's so many people. You are not alone. So do you want to expand a little bit on that particular story that journey take us through it
1: Ah, uh, we like i said we knew each other for since we used to do we used to ride dirt bikes together you know and you know and you're 18 19 you go out the bush you have a few beers you know and he went off and got married and we never dated or anything and you know i got married and our lives whatever and he was he was getting divorced and his wife had moved out and of course he put himself back out on the market. And he reached out to me. He's like, Hey, long time, no see. And I'm like, Hey, you know, how are you? I, I always knew, uh, he was a hothead. Like you didn't fuck with him. Like nobody fucked with him. Cause he would fucking kill it. Like he was a tough, you know? And I was like, yeah, I'll stop by after work. You know, it's his house was on the way home. I'm like, sure. He goes, you know what? I'll crack open the grill. You know, we'll have a few beers. Perfect. Cause it was, uh, in the summertime, it was July at that time here. Yeah, yep. and. I went over and I remember like, it was a good, you know, like you hung out and, and whatnot. And when I went home that day, like I didn't make it home. Like I didn't make it the 15 minute ride home and he's already texting. Are you home yet? That should have been a damn trigger for me. Like, Whoa. And I remember saying, well, I got about another five minutes. And he's like, well, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, well, actually I'm going kayaking with my, my buddy, John. Well, John, are you are you seeing John? I'm like, well, no, he's just a friend. I'm just go, and I remember being on the fucking kayak, and he's blowing up my phone. Or well, are you stopping over tonight? Now this is one day's time, yeah. And I remember getting that feeling, like Sabrina, you know, th- this is okay. You're lonely, but don't like he's a little bit pushy here. This is just supposed to be hey, two friends, but you know then. I stopped there after work and he has flowers or I stopped there after work. And, you know, he's taking me to dinner or, you know, it's that honeymoon stage, you know, you don't, I never saw the anger. I saw the, the jealousy, I think, you know, like he was always wondering, like texting throughout the day. And it was about six months into about six or seven months into the relationship when I got my first crack and it was solely over we were having a discussion. He got in a heated argument with his ex-wife at that. Well, it was still his wife at that time. And I just remember saying, you need to fucking calm down because I'm blunt, you know, and I'm not the easiest person. I'm not going to say I'm a saint here. And I'm like, just fuck her. Who cares? You know, like if she wants that, let her take it. Move on with your life. And that turned into, well, who the fuck are you to tell me about my fucking marriage? Whoa, Sean, what are you, you know, all right, and, I would just be like, you know what? I don't need to be spoken to. I'm I'm bailing. I'm leaving. And that was the first time I remember going to turn and I got the arm grab and I got the pull and I got the back of the hair and the crack. And Man. I remember falling, like I fell backwards and I just remember looking up like, holy fuck. Like what just fuck? Like it wasn't a closed fist. I'm not going to, you know, it, but it was like a, you know, a fucking, you know, <laughs> And closed I just was fist
0: like, or not closed fist? Like, you were belted.
1: Ugh, well, that's the thing. Like, that's, I remember him saying, it wasn't closed fist. I just smacked you, Sabrina. I'm like, holy, like, I just. There's so you go home. There's the
0: justification. Start so you, I, accepting I some like, of this responsibility, Sabrina. Yeah. I nah. can't control my behavior. I don't want to be put in the situation where I'm going to take response. No, no, no projection you need to do this gaslighting break it down make you doubt yourself break yourself you've just come out of the love bombing
1: oh yeah yeah so I went I just remember going home that first time and thinking like do I tell like if I tell a friend about this and I say oh he smacked me they're gonna be like okay like that's not abuse like I didn't even at that time think I knew it was abuse but I couldn't I just thought maybe he had a bad fucking moment. You know, you you make excuses like you, you make try
0: excuses. One hundred percent. There's the justification, right? Yes. And it comes from that gaslighting because you're falling off the love bombing. Yeah, and being a beautiful empath, you see potential that he will never realize.
1: And then, yeah, it, uh, I just wanted to help him, and I thought, okay, he's flawed, he's broken. Oh, here's comes Sabrina to save the day, and then I noticed. Like I would notice to not say certain things or when I got home from work, how like I would feel the energy if he was, I'd know if he was drinking already. I know if, you know, he smoked yet or, you know, things like that. And it would be good after the first crack. It was good. You know, your routine, your ups and downs, you know? And then the final straw was, it was around his birthday and my grandmother uh, was getting hip surgery. So I was in the process of getting her set up at my house. So because see, my mom, nobody else would take care of her. Put it that way. So I'm getting all that stuff. And I said, listen, I'm on the phone with the nurse now. You know, I'm on my way home. You know, happy birthday. I said, I'll let you know, like when to come down. Well, when I hung up, I started to get the barrage of text messages of this is my fucking birthday and you're going to put me on hold. Like this is supposed to be my day and I can't even like expect to see my own girlfriend right at like right after work. Is that how much you think of me? And I'm like, yo, calm down. I'm trying to deal with my grand fucking hip surgery. I'm trying to figure, <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like a- and next thing I know I get off the phone with the nurse and I see him pulling in with my car. And I just was like, you know, cause I had two vehicles at that time and yeah. one would be cause his was broke half the time. So I gave him my other one to use. So he came down and that's when the initial confrontation happened and it was in the garage and it was daylight. And, um, I'm like, you need to leave. Like he came in, I knew he was on something. His face was very, very red. I mean, I could smell the alcohol and his eyes, the pupils were tiny yeah. and the first thing I remember doing is backing up, like Sean, like doing this, like just backing up, say, you got to go now. It's daylight. So I wasn't scared. You know, the next thing I know, he puts down. He always carried like a water. It was vodka and tea, but it was in one of those yeah. things you drink. <laughs> <laughs> he puts it on the hood of my car and he comes into my garage and he's like, I just remember him saying, yeah. And he grabs my face and he takes his thumbs and presses them into my eyes and is saying, you want this now, you fucking cunt, is all he kept saying is, you fucking cunt, you fucking cunt. And he got me to the ground, gave me a little kick. I am screaming at this point. My garage door is open and I'm screaming to my neighbor like his name was Randy. And I'm like, Randy, because I knew I wasn't going to like, I didn't know. I thought he would hear me. But here, Randy was on a fishing trip. Go figure. (laughs) So once I was down and after the, the kick, like I just knew not to fucking move. Like me, I would always get the fuck back up and be like, all right, you want to hit me, hit me fucking again. You know, my dad was military. So that's how I was raised. This time I stayed there. I just yeah. fucking stayed there. Yeah. He finally leaves and I call my ex-husband cause he was my best friend and he had my son at that time. And I'm like, Brandon, I don't know what to do. And I tell him and I show him like the picture of my eyes because You know how like you get the blood clots in your eyes. And I'm like, he's like, Sabrina, you need to just come here. Spend the night here. I'm like, no, I'm not leaving my fucking house. I'm not leaving my house. Well, throughout the night, he'd come back. And then that's when he got drunker and drunker. And it turned into the evening. And then that's when the threatening, I'm going to fucking kill you. If I'm going, you're going. You're not going to be with anybody else. You know, you're this is. This is your fault. I mean, you should see these text messages. They're like, so he tried to break in, actually climbed up my window, like on the second floor. So that's when I finally called the cops. Now people say, well, why didn't you call the cops the first, second time, whatever? Because he told me if I called the fucking cops, his family has connections and they're not good ones, put it that way. And he just said, you know, I just knew better to not call the damn cops, but at this point now I'm scared. I'm sleeping with my gun. Yeah. So the cops show up, he bails and uh, they said, well, what do you want us to do? I'm like, somebody stay here. Like just, just, just stay parked in front of my fucking house. Well, we can't do that. (laughs) Okay. So that the police station is about three minutes from my house and it took them. I was on the phone with nine one one for 17 fucking minutes. Before what? somebody, because no one was on call and they only had a part-timer. So I had a part-time township cop God. come out. So the next morning I wake up now I'm on my couch with my gun, you know, and I'm like, and I wake up and I see he's parked out in front of my house. I pick up my phone and he's like, just come out and I promise you everything's going to be okay. I immediately go to the ground. Cause I knew, I knew at that point, he was either a co- I never thought for a second he had a gun. Never, never thought. I thought he would just use his hands and strangle me, or you know, like that's the how he would kill me because it that was usually the go to with the throat or you know. Yeah. And I called the cops, and when the cops came, he said, "You know, you fucking cunt. That was a bad fucking choice." And there was a standoff. He shot once uh, at the cops. And then obviously more cops came and more cops. So I'm still in the house. And I saw the when the cop pulled out the gun, I immediately go to run out because I didn't want them to kill him. Like I, I just wanted him to fucking leave, like leave my car and go.
0: Yeah, Yeah.
1: And it turned into, you know, the waiting game and then the SWAT team came in. And finally, when they were able to detect that there was no movement, they told me that he had taken his own life. And for me, it was horrible to feel a sense of relief. (laughs) I know that sounds horrible, but I like, it was almost like, Oh my God, I'm not afraid anymore. I'm not afraid to go out. I'm not afraid, you know, but then I thought people would be uh, not happy for me, but Oh my God, you're okay. You know, like, and I had visible marks, you know, but I wasn't, it wasn't, I wasn't trying to prove anything. And the, his parents and his friends and, all of that is they, it was public. Commun- I mean, they blamed me. It wasn't, it wasn't the drugs. It wasn't the alcohol. It wasn't his narcissism. It wasn't, it was, it was everything that I failed to do to save, you know, him. Yeah. And they knew, I mean, I called his mother the first time, you know, there was a concern because the second time he cracked me is the first time he threatened suicide. Yeah. And I called his mom. I mean, we broke into his house, me and his dad to like, make sure he was okay. So I couldn't wrap my head around, like, am I that much of a piece of shit that now this person that I loved, mind you, I loved him. I, I you know, like he's dead. So I, I love my son, my, my son. uh, And he, Sean was, I don't know how, but Sean and Wyatt, Sean was such a good, like, friend to my kid like yeah. he he was able to keep his temper down like he would almost be able to have why it be better behavior like why yeah. it yeah. would get pissed like if why it would get shit to me he would be able to step in and it was nice yeah and then i noticed wow he's a lot better if i have my son around so i kept bringing my son around because then i was wasn't in jeopardy yeah. does that make sense like,
0: yeah absolutely if, hundred percent. Anyone that has lived this, it it makes sense. All the time, people put in their two bids worth and, you know, um, why didn't you? And, you know, they're people that just don't understand.
1: I, I, I know that now. I guess I just, so mind you, that was the worst part was the aftermath because don't forget, he's still technically married. And all my shit, my hot tub, my two quads, everything is at his house. So not only were me and my son not allowed to see him, like visit the viewing. They destroyed all my stuff. They destroyed my son's quad. They destroyed my quad. They destroyed like I lost my I had antique uh, dartboards and I know it's just stuff. But I remember calling his uh, sister. And I said, just let me come up to the house and get my son's quad and my quad. Fuck everything else. I'm like, it's my son's quad. Like it has name engraved on the fucking and she's like exact words or, Hmm, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. There's nothing here of yours. And it crippled me. Cause I just thought after everything I've been through and now I can't get my clothes, I can't get my kids clothes. I can't get my, I, I call the cops that's his wife. Those are hers now. Yeah. That was it. Like,
0: so it's horrific. horrific.
1: So the first thing I did was move. Yeah. And, uh, my father and my mother, both. How dare I, how dare I move? Why would you move? And I'm like, would you want to drive through the spot or have your son cry every time you drive through the spot where his, his buddy put a gun to his head? Yeah. Like, looking out the front window seeing that spot you know all i see is cop cars and and i was weak like you have to show them that you're going to stand your ground i'm like dad i can i can't i can't stay here i go to the grocery store people are fucking calling me a bitch from across the aisle i'm yeah. like cuz it's a small town yeah so that was the first step and once i moved everybody said i abandoned them and i became the outcast and that's when i made a choice to say okay fuck that life i'm going to rebuild and that's what I'm trying to do.
0: I mean, it's, I mean, it's layer upon layer upon layer upon layer. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and and it's what it, it's what makes you so remarkable, right? It's what makes you so remarkable. Resilience can't be gifted; it can only be earned. Courage can't be gifted; it can only be earned. And you look at your journey, your story, and you're going, you see, this is this is you look at this particular story, and and what we'll probably do, what, what we will do is 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 <clears throat> when we're not recording this podcast, we'll dig <laughs> into some other stuff because this it is so powerful. And I see part of your journey and part of what you're going to be giving to the world that we can extract from this exact moment. And that will be your tools and your things to help others with Um, because there's so much in that. There's so much detail in in that window. It's so powerful because you look at it, you go, okay, I don't want anyone to put themselves, but people understand that have experienced this, that are listening to this, you know, that place. And you go, it's in that moment that you're processing information and data. And it's that moment the belief systems are being formed. And those belief systems stay with you because they're so ingrained. You know, belief systems come from repetition, but more so dramatic emotional impact, which burns it into you. And you're creating belief systems processing in a high cortisol, so high stress, anxiety, traumatized state, because at that moment we go to primal instinct, how do I survive? Yeah, exactly. Right? (laughs) And then if we constantly look backward instead of gaining the lessons, wisdom, knowledge, and experience, that belief system remains with us. This is why I say to people all the time, you've been lied to. Time does not heal wounds. I agree time does not heal wounds what time does is get you to run over repeat emphasize and enhance belief systems that don't serve you
1: exactly because that that just because time went by doesn't make that wound if you haven't addressed it and understand it that doesn't make it go away it just gets deeper and deeper and then when something good comes into your life cuz it took me when I found, you know, my boyfriend now, like it's hard for me to accept how nice he is yeah. because I'm just, I anticipate like the fight or like if I run out to the grocery store and, you know, I noticed myself saying, was I gone too long?
0: yeah And I'm like, ah. and, and he's and like, is what is you it-
1: talk about?
0: Yeah. yeah. Nice little fucker.
1: Um- <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: <laughs> right. But you have a look at, you go, their self-worth. People say self-worth is, oh, no, I'm feeling better now. No, I've got self-worth again. You go, you see, it's in action where self-worth comes through. And that's where we know we've got to keep working and keep working and process this sort of stuff, you know, because you've got to get back the right in your own world to live your life. I say to people, the first level of boundary management is to ask one question. And that one question is, do I feel safe? So safety, instantly, most people go to physical and sexual safety, right? Mm -hmm. And you go, oh, my friend. No, 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 no. It's so much beyond that. It's emotional safety. It's intellectual safety, right? It's safety at every single level. Do I feel safe to speak my truth? Do I feel safe to be me? Do I feel safe to represent me? Do I feel safe to be authentic right now in this moment?
1: It's yeah, it, it, something as simple as do I feel, did I make it home in enough time that he doesn't think that I stopped somewhere? Like just when I leave work, like, I remember feeling like I better call him, I better call him and let him know that I'm running late or it would just be a night of horror. Like, and I, it's just, I guess just nobody believed me. Nobody like, you know, I wanted my dad to take a baseball bat to his head, but my dad was always like, what are you going to do about it? Like, daddy hit me. What are you going to do about it? I'm like, I I just wanted somebody to say, I'll save you, you know, like, and then I realized, no, nobody's going to fucking save you unless you save your fucking self.
0: Amen Amen to that. A hundred percent. And it's one of the things where, you know, I I am the type of person that will step into that type of environment. But at the same token, you are the one that needs to take action. You're the one that needs to take a hundred percent responsibility for you. Yeah. Not for their shit, but for you. You know, I, I, you know, in my book on narcissism, I rewrote three definitions. One was on narcissism, one was on love bombing, one was on gaslighting, because I think the internet definitions are bullshit, right? Do I think that they are clinically correct, right? Yes, right. But these and, are the
1: people that didn't live it,
0: <laughs> correct. And who do they serve, right? A narcissist. Right. If you want to know if you're clinically, but no, right. know I'm talking about the people that have suffered from, right? Mm-hmm. The reason that I rewrote those definitions is because you go, you need to truly understand what is going on when it is said that these three things are happening. And once you start digging in that and understanding it, you know, things start falling into place. Mm-hmm. So it's the type of thing where you look at it, Um, love bombing this is where it starts right so you're going they can be so loving and you're right this is my definition of love bombing right in fact that's the internet's definition my definition right first we have to understand that love bombing is the abuse of love yeah yeah right Mm -hmm. Because it's coming from someone that has a mental disorder and therefore it's not wired like our love. So it's actually the abuse of your love. And I refer to it as a psychological drug, right? It's a psychological drug used to mimic the words, actions, and behaviours of love
1: you're so smart (laughs) right yeah yeah
0: the purpose is to allure disarm disorientate and to ultimately addict you to a manipulative and abusive person So when we start looking at the behavioral patterns behind some of the things that you did, like, well, why didn't you just leave? And why didn't you just do this? And why didn't you just do this? Fuck you, man, right? It's like, it's an addiction. It's a chemical reaction in the body. And I can explain the chemical reaction in the body, but ultimately you're going, it's a psychological drug. So, you know, an empath, you're going, here is my potential bang yeah. you latch onto that it never happened. it'll never be realized because it's only mimicking the words actions and behaviors of love it's not real because they oh. don't connect to it the way we do right you then look at gaslighting so we've got you there right? Then they want to break you down. How do they want to break you down? Well, how am I going to keep an intelligent, like you were a high corporate executive HR manager, right? You're a very highly intelligent woman. So it's got nothing to do with intellect, right? But how do I get such an intelligent woman, right? To do things that in reflection, you go, what the fuck, right? Gaslighting. Right. You've got a defensive strategy and an offensive strategy. Well, gaslighting is on the offense. It's designed to attack, right? So it's an offensive strategy to break your trust and reliance on your sanity, your perception of reality, and your memories. Again, for the purpose to gain psychological dominance over you psychological dominance over you and emotional and intellectual dependence of you, which is falling back into the love bombing addiction.
1: Yeah. It's when you say those things after like that, now when you say them and I can think about what happened and when you, like I associate and I'm like, oh my God, like it was like cookie cutter, that's, it just went in stages. And it's, my goal is to be able to have people see that before it gets to the stage where people are dying, you know, like where people are getting physically hurt, Yep. you know? And yep. I, to this day, I think I, I always believe that, I mean, he had a beautiful soul in there, you know, but it was tainted. And I, nothing was going to change him. And I don't think I wanted to believe that I didn't have that capability to help him. Like, and now I see it like every time we would go into a restaurant, I'd sit in the car, he'd go in, see who was in there, come back out. And then let me know if I was able to go in there with him or not. Because, he would claim, I just want to make sure, you know, nobody's going to fuck with you. I'm just making sure, you know, my girl's safe. And that was always his. And it was pointless for me to fucking argue because that would just argue more about something that didn't exist anyway. Yeah. And It's what we would do. And it, it changed me. Like I was losing, gradually just losing myself, losing, it. it was getting harder to work. I was getting, it was getting harder to remember. I was dropping the ball at work. Like, yeah. You know, Sabrina's never late. Now she's 15 minutes. Well, I got to cover this up and I got to make sure I look okay. Do you know what I mean? Like, and yeah. people don't believe me. you know? They, well, if it would have happened, why do you say so? Because it's, it's embarrassing. I look like a, a weak, you know, oh, my boyfriend cracked me. You know, like, you don't want to tell that to people. Yeah. Because look at what happens. When you do, they don't believe you anyway. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, it's the type of thing you go, listen, motherfucker, you know, why didn't it happen? Describe the color red to me. You can't do that. Right. So shut your fucking mouth. Like some things you can't just explain that way. You've got to live it. You've got to understand it. You've got to experience. You've got to see it. You've got to smell it. You've got to taste it. You go, this is what abuse is. Some fucking like, why don't you just? It's like, fuck off. Right. You simply don't understand. You know, I've. Worked with and talked with some of the most. Like I look at it and go, you know, there's a whole lot of incredible human beings, and then you've got some that you go, no, they just stand out as far as you're going. No, no, they're intellects, right? Like for argument's sake, I was working with the federal inspector, right? Federal inspector, the number one person in a multi-billion-dollar postal organization, the number one role that she has within that organization, because they're in postal, right? Her number one role is to educate, teach, train people so they don't fall for manipulation and coercion. Wow. She's like, Jamie, I'm a little embarrassed. I've been in a relationship with a narcissist. (gasps) No shit. And you're going, Mm. like you're talking, you know, we're normal people. You go, no, but she, no, that's her thing. (laughs) That is her thing. I've worked with an incredible woman from the Australian Federal Police, working in the psych division. Mm-hmm. Right, that's her. Been a relationship with a narc, not just wow. the narc and SAS trained narc. Oy. So you're going. Don't doubt yourself. Don't. And this is this is you know where does you know, the breakdown of self-trust, self-respect and self-worth, you know, it's origin. Origin comes from so much in our childhood and these sorts of experiences. But where do major triggers sit? You go, fucking dumb questions from people. Hmm. Because here you are where there is a shootout, where you are just trying to survive And people are saying to you these horrible things, and you're going, what the fuck? Like, serious? Like, mm, you know how you have a little argument and he says, you know, fuck you, and then storms out of the room? Um, Doesn't quite compare to the fucking police turning up with... Riot squads, you know, to stop an argument. We're probably talking different levels, and I'm assuming you don't quite get my level. Yeah. Right? But why didn't you? It's like it's just this is what I say to people. It's just ignorance. They don't. They just simply don't know what they don't know. And that's why I think an open-hand slap would be great. Imagine if you could just slap people that did the, a, pew, every time they ask you a dumb question like that. <laughs> okay, of course I don't endorse that, but, Dan, don't you feel like it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me, I think I visualise that in my head to plenty of people.
0: <laughs> you <know>? It's like <laughs> I'm talking about the movie one where you see, like, you know, the bitch slap <laughs> and then you see their face just going...
1: Uh, like the Chris Rock b- bitch slap.
0: Yes. See, right. It's Joe like
1: Smith just smacked me across. The
0: face. <laughs> um, oh, I think that's incredible. Now, I think that's awesome for our first episode. I think we've got more to do. Absolutely. Watch this space. Thank you, Sabrina, for joining me on the Fuck Therapy podcast. You are an absolute inspiration. You're an incredible human being, and it's been an absolute honor to share this time and space with you.
1: Thank you. I love you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love you too. You're awesome. Um, And to everyone out there, remember, this is one of my things. So know your worth, speak your truth, represent you, say no without guilt and shame, and always stay strong.